And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This headline podcast is brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Breaking news from The Athletic. Breaking news in college football. USC has fired head coach Clay Helton two weeks into the season after Saturday's loss against Stanford at home. Nicole Auerbach, Chris Vanini, and Michael Felder of our Andy Staples Show and Friends podcast, Power Hour, discussed it on today's show. Chris, let's just get right into it. Um, you know, Clay Helton is out. It's been a while since USC has had a real full search, which I which I want to get into. But also just let's start with this. How good is this job right now and how good is this job supposed to be? I mean, this should be a top five job in America, really. It, it, you're in Southern California. There's so much talent there. The Pac-12 is not a behemoth like the SEC, so you should be able to win it, especially your division, almost every year. And the facilities are pretty good. They should pay pretty good. I mean, Clay Elton was making, I think, around $5 million or more for a guy who hadn't won all that much. So, yeah, USC has everything to offer, and, you know, almost every coach in America is going to be interested in this job, and they should be. All right. Um, I, I not push back, but I, the question I'm going to like, how much money do they really have? I think that's an interesting part of it because it seems, and, and actually, it's not how much money do they really have. How much money are they willing to spend? I think is the bigger right. question. Right. And I think, uh, Helton's buyout is around 10 million, is what's been out there. It's, a, it's a bit, but it ain't Gus Malzahn at Auburn. And, you know, I, I, I think USC knows. They need to get this one right. I think the athletic director, Mike Bone, knows that this is serious. They need to get donors involved in everything. Otherwise, why do you fire a coach after two games uh, if you're not going to put everything you have into this search and into finding this next coach? And especially the timing with the Pac-12's TV deal coming up in a couple years, you need USC to be good because when USC is good, your ratings will be better as a conference. And so... It behooves USC even more to make sure they get this one right because it'll lead to more money down the road uh, in terms of the conference TV revenue. So, Chris, one of the um, hallmarks of deciding to promote Clay Helton and the hires before it were that it had to be a USC guy, USC ties. This was something that was incredibly important in past searches and promotions. Do you think that that is going to be a factor now with a new athletic director? It shouldn't be. And yes, that has been a problem for a long time. Lane Kiffin was a USC guy. Steve Sarkeesian was a USC guy. Lynn Swan, when they made him the athletic director, was a USC guy. And that's not to say, you know, Lane Kiffin or Sark were were not qualified for the job at the time. But you got to look outside your, you know, your window there. And I think 
Mike Bone, the athletic director, coming from Cincinnati, he was not a USC guy. So so that's where it starts. You, you don't have somebody in there like Lynn Swan who's going to give Clay Helton an extension when he doesn't need it and put the, put the program in a more difficult spot. So, yeah, you're going to have a lot of people interested in this job. There also aren't that many USC guys left out there to hire who, who have not already had this job. I mean, Lane Kiffin and Sark are head coaches elsewhere. So, yeah, they, they need to go outside the family, and I think – I think Mike Bone realizes that. Um, I'm gonna. So we keep talking about this job like it's a job that a lot of people want, a job that people like that's coveted. And so let's. I think that I I want to like, let's be real. Like outside of location, what makes this a job that people want? It is. It's it's in the Pac-12, so you theoretically only have to get past a couple of schools to get into the playoff it's not like the sec west where you could make five six million dollars but you have to play lsu and alabama and all kinds of other teams every year now you know a guy like mario cristobal who's at oregon will he want the job i don't know he may not he's already on top of the pac-12 you know he's probably a bit underpaid at oregon still even though he got a raise last year but yeah i i think the the uh the ceiling is pretty high and the floor is pretty low at a place like that. And the, you look at the quarterbacks who have come out of California in recent years, you know, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, DJ Wangalale, and not that Keaton Slovis was bad or anything, but there's been a real talent drain out of California. And so there's still a lot of talent in that state, ton of talent in that state. So it's got a lot uh, to offer for any coach. Yeah. I think that speaks to the location. I, I, I guess for me, the big, the big question becomes looking at this job. And I think that because there is a little uh, a, t- a hint of Miami with this job, right? Private school in a big city that people are like, that's the sell. It's like, look where we are. We've got this. We can, we're in LA or we're in Miami. See what it is. But outside of Columbus, most of the college football that we see get played comes from or Austin, and Austin hasn't been that good since in a while, really. Most of the college football that we see get played comes out of smaller towns, smaller communities, right? They have that familial feel. And I guess the big question that I would have for you, Chris, is like, how do you create – What do you, what's uh, – like, take all the names off the board, right? Whether it's Franklin or Campbell or Fickle or Cristobal or – take all those names off the board. How do you create a culture – that Pete Carroll kind of had and not to duplicate Carroll, but to create a culture of winning there without the same sort of familial thing that you see at Clemson or the program situation that you see at Alabama, or do you take Alabama's idea of this is a process and try to implement a similar strategy at USC because it's not going to have that same familial situation that you, that that you're going to get in a small town USA. Right. And I, I mean, going back to Pete Carroll, I mean, USC used to be like cool, like really, really cool. The, the celebrities that That's would show up I to games like for. that all the time, you know, the being the quarterback at USC made you a big time celebrity in California at, at, at one point. Well, in LA. well, I just want to jump in there. Yeah. I was um, standing next to Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush on the sidelines at the end of Ohio State, Oregon. And the constant, Reggie, 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 give your Heisman back. Give him the Heisman back. Like, (laughs) it was incessant. 
people like if you are a star at USC, you are a star for life. Anyway, that was just my yeah. No, that that's exactly that's a great way to put it. I mean, Liner didn't have much of any NFL career. Reggie Bush was solid, but not spectacular in the NFL. Those guys are known for what they did at USC, and that's the platform that USC can provide if you are successful. And that's what I think USC needs to get. Now, obviously, you're not going to be considered a cool program unless you're winning. I, I mean, obviously, that that's where it starts. So you have to win. But in terms of what makes the USC job a bit different, I think that's part of it. So, and you mentioned Reggie Bush, obviously, Nicole. Um, but when they're good, they play defense. When they're good, they are monsters up front. You know what I mean? Like their offensive line has two guys get picked in the first two days of the NFL draft. Their defensive line has a guy that gets picked in the top 10. Their defense has linebackers for days. And how important – like every name that we see up and down this list in terms of the short list, with the exception of Luke Fickle, they're all – they're offensive guys. When do they – when does – how does USC become salty again? Because – that's something that for me, and, and maybe it's because I'm I'm so hyperly focused on defense. What is it going to take for them to become salty? Because we talk about the quarterback mass exodus, but they didn't get Justin Flo, and Flo is a monster defensively. We've only seen him get to play you know a game, but like this guy's a beast. How do they keep those California defenders in state? Because those guys are mean too. Yeah, I, I mean that goes back to. The job Mario Cristobal's been doing, he's grabbed, I think, nine or ten top 100 kids the last couple of years, a lot of those kids from Southern California. And the, the the flip side is, how salty can anyone be on defense these days? It's not 2005 anymore. You know, you see with the, the numbers that Ohio State puts up on Clemson, that Alabama puts up on Ohio State. Um, you know, when it comes to those types of games, you're probably going to need to be in a shootout. But week to week, you're going to have to shut down opponents in the Pac-12. And... Yeah, Cristobal is recruiting at an SEC level up at Oregon. He, he took that Alabama model, and he's got it up there. Justin Flo, Kayvon Thibodeau, they've got some defensive studs up there. He's an, he's an offensive guy, but he's an offensive line coach. The, the, the trenches matter there. And you, like you said, USC is not tough up front, and they haven't been for a while. And that's something we've seen at Oregon. We saw last week when Oregon went up to Ohio State and won. And I keep bringing up Cristobal's name. I'm not saying he needs to be the guy or anything. I'm just saying it's an example of the kind of thing that USC needs out of its next coach, whoever that is. Okay, so so let's get into those names because because uh, obviously we've we've mentioned some of them. There there's when it's a job like this, there's gonna be a short list of of coaches who are qualified. A lot of these names are sitting head coaches, um, but Chris, part of your job profile is running through these names. So give us a sense of who USC should and could target. Well, we've said everything we need to say about Mario Cristobal, probably. The, the, the only interest, the, the biggest question I think with him is whether or not he wants it. I mean, he was paid like $2.7 million last year, which is near the bottom of the Pac-12, and now he's above four, which is still probably underpaying him relative to the market for coaches. So does he does USC interest him in terms of a pay raise or does it not because he's already on top of the Pac-12? Does he wait a couple years at Oregon to see if Nick Saban retires and does he go back to Alabama where he was an assistant? So that's a big question. But the other names, James Franklin at Penn State's been, you know, linked to this job for years when when Clay Helton's been on the hot seat. He's produced 
three top 10 teams in the last couple of years. He recruits at a top 15 level. He's a dynamic personality uh, that kind of, uh, you know, fits that kind of market. But he's getting paid like $6 million. And his buyout's, I think, about $4 million. So USC would need to pay up for James Franklin. Matt Campbell at Iowa State, obviously they lost last week, but he's still a hot commodity, including from the NFL. Uh, does, you know, Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 in a few years, does that heighten the urgency to to get out of Iowa State, considering what the Big 12 is going to be? Uh, Luke Fickle, Cincinnati head coach, was hired by Bone, Mike Bone, at Cincinnati back in 2017. So there is a familiarity there. He's never coached outside of Ohio, though. You know, can he... It, can he handle a job like that? Is he interested in a job like that? We don't really know yet. Um, other possibilities, Tony Elliott, the Clemson offensive coordinator, P.J. Fleck, the Minnesota head coach, uh, maybe Kyle Whittingham, the Utah head coach. And then people are going to bring up Urban Meyer. I don't think it's happening. We can or don't have to get into why. Uh, and then, you know, Bob Stoops, is he interested in getting back into football? Maybe. I think you give him a call for sure. So um, before we let you go, Chris, my, my last question on these lists, because anytime any big job is going to come open, we're going to have similar names. And I'm most curious about Matt Campbell's situation, because we've talked so much over the years about what he's built and the culture and, you know, kind of whatever we want to compare it to, like the process at Alabama, et cetera. Is his situation different based on what just happened with the Big 12 over the last eight weeks? Like, is this going to be the offseason where Matt Campbell is willing to make a move? I I think it already was going to be because this year's team brought essentially everybody back from last year's team. It's not going to be the same team next year. You're going to have to rebuild a bit at certain positions. This was supposed to be kind of the climax year. And it hasn't been that. They barely beat Northern Iowa, and then they lose to Iowa. So, you know, they can certainly turn it around win the win the Big 12 or something like that. But I think that was always part of it. And then, yeah, you have to think about the future of the Big 12. N- not necessarily this year, because Texas and Oklahoma aren't leaving for a few years. But clearly the Big 12 is not going to be what it was. Iowa State's not going to have the money it currently has because the Big 12's TV revenue is going to go down in a few years. Uh, so I certainly think you look at that more. But what that job is for Matt Campbell, you know, who knows? Is he waiting for a Michigan or Ohio State or Notre Dame to open up? Or does the NFL interest him? He's a Midwest guy. Um, or or maybe USC. Maybe USC is the spot for him. We've never really seen him coach at a major program with expectations. He's always been uh, an overachiever. He was at Toledo, and now he's at Iowa State. You know, that, that's not USC where you're expected to contend for the national championship. So we haven't seen him handle that. But I think he's certainly a guy, if you're USC, you know, you make sure you get him on the phone. Awesome. Chris, thank you so much for your insight. Um, follow Chris and the Athletics coverage of the coaching search that is now underway at USC week two. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see which direction they go. Thanks, Chris. Yep. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining our breaking news coverage. Go to the Athletics Headlines section for much more on this story or ask your Google Assistant to play news from The Athletic. You can also visit theathletic.com slash headline pod to save 50% on an annual subscription to The Athletic. For more from Chris, Nicole, and Michael, subscribe to the Andy Staples Show and Friends podcast feed.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.